All right, how's everyone's week going? Good. Good. Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we can come to learn from your word. We pray that you would, by your spirit, just open the eyes of our hearts and, uh, and give us wisdom on how to grow and how to pursue you and how to pursue humility. We pray that we would see the worth of it and we would be equipped to do so. We thank you for your grace and amen. All right, so today's sermon is titled, How to Fight Pride and Pursue Humility. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a series, and we're going to really get into the practical details, so I'm excited about it. I think it'll have a lot of helpful ideas in it, and maybe stuff that you haven't thought about before, so please pay attention and take notes. This is an important subject. All right, so the first section in this series is, um, or in this sermon we're calling it the benefits of humility and the downfalls of pride. So I've got six of them. The first one is that humility leads to wisdom. Let's take a look at Proverbs 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. So why does humility lead to wisdom, or how does humility lead to wisdom? I want to take a second to think about that. So for one thing, humility will lead you to fear God and serve others, which is a wise thing to do, because that's God's will for you. You know, there's plenty of verses in Proverbs that teach that the beginning of wisdom, it starts with the fear of the Lord, and humility will lead you to fear God and to serve others. Also, humility helps you to be level-headed, and being level-headed leads to making better decisions. Humility helps you be level-headed about the importance of situations. It, you know, if you're proud and focused on yourself a lot and your own importance, then um, say like public speaking, for example, the idea of failing would be like the worst thing ever. But that's not being level-headed. That's not being realistic about the importance of the situation. So humility helps you be level-headed, and being level-headed leads to wisdom. It also, being level-headed, uh, helps you to avoid stupid choices that we would otherwise make that come from overestimating how much we can handle. We've all made stupid choices like that. The third one I have on this list that I think is really important, humility makes it easier to be discerning about where you need to grow, about what areas you're weak in. And therefore, humility makes it easier to discern how to grow. That's very important. I'm going to read it again. Humility makes it easier to be discerning about what areas you need to grow in. And therefore, humility makes it easier to discern how to grow. Like, that will just really help a person. There's nothing that can help you more in terms of, like, knowing what to do in your Christian walk than knowing how to grow. And humility will help you have more discernment in that area. Um, the last 
point I have of how humility leads to wisdom is humility makes it easier to learn. Let's take a look at Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I think that one is kind of obvious of how humility makes it easier to learn. You know, it is tempting to just not listen to advice. Pride tempts you to do that. And everyone, you know, nobody just thinks I'm wrong. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but we all think that we're right. We have to be humble enough to, um, to question whether or not we are right. If you don't question yourself, then you need to grow in how you think. If you never question your own ideas, if you just assume you're always right, then you need to think about Proverbs 12:15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. That's the point of the verse. If you never question your own thinking, if you always assume that you're right, then you're going the way of the fool. Let's look at Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. God said it, not me. You know, pride makes it easy to hate uh, reproof. Humility makes it easy to not mind that you've been reproved. Humility really does make it easier to learn. And uh, another verse that I think is relevant to this, um, let's look at Psalm 25, verse 9. God leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. It says specifically that God teaches the humble his way. I think, um, you know, God will give us ability to learn his word and his ways more if we have humility. God teaches the humble his way. But anyway, so that is point number one. Humility leads to wisdom. Uh, point number two, pride leads to blindness. So kind of a sub-point of that, pride leads you to not see things correctly. And there's a, a few ways that it does that. It causes you to not see things how they are. So number one, your own flaws. Pride will cause you to not see your own flaws. This has happened to all of us. I hope we can all see how this has happened to all of us, like in various points in our lives. But pride causes you to not see your own flaws. And that can lead to all kinds of things. Pride also leads you to be blind or to not see potential dangers that are there. You know, how many times do we see a potential danger and sometimes out of pride just think, oh, I can handle it. That's not an issue. Not for me. Pride causes us to not see potential dangers or to think that they're not really there. Another thing pride causes us to not see is the importance of God and the importance of others. This is a big one. When we're proud, we're focused on ourselves, and that will keep us from seeing the importance of God and the importance of others. 
If we don't see the importance of God, that's a big problem. That will cause us to make foolish decisions. Same with not seeing the importance of others. One that I've experienced personally, pride causes you to not be able to see God's love for you. I remember um, when I was 16, well, before then, I just kind of didn't really live for God, and I just was, I was pretty proud because I thought that I could just, you know, sin as much as I want and still be an okay Christian. And I'm like, yeah, God's word. Most of it applies, but not this part. I get to pick and choose. So that's very proud. And if you don't think that's pride, you need to think about it a bit more. That's very proud to pick and choose parts of God's word and think God got it wrong, I got it right, this part's outdated. But I thought that, and I was very proud. And, um, and one day, God opened my eyes and brought me to not think that. And just later that day, I started to really realize God's love way more than I ever had. But pride will blind you from seeing God's love. Fifthly, pride will blind you from seeing your need for grace. I want to read a passage that relates to this. Uh, Let's look at Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. A.K.A. Jesus told this parable to proud people, which at some time in our life, maybe throughout the day, most days, is us. We all struggle with pride to some degree. But anyways, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee did not see his need for grace. He thought, God made me a good person. I was born a good person. Thank God I'm a good person, unlike other people. Pride blinds us of our need for grace, and that's huge. Seeing your need for grace is very important. The Pharisee was not justified before God. Like, that's severe. We all need to see our need for grace on a daily, practical level. Moreover, blindness leads to stumbling. 
Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 18. We all know this one, but it, it, it's worth mentioning because it's, you know, it's a biblical point. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride causes blindness, and if you're blind and don't think you are, you're definitely going to fall. But there's, there's a really clear illustration of this happening practically in Second Chronicles. We're going to take a look at the um, latter part of King Uzziah's life. So let's turn to Second Chronicles 26, verses 14 through 23. And Uzziah prepared um, for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners, to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord God, his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense, something only the priests were allowed to do. But pride leads to blindness. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in the forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, uh, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote. And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. That's a pretty vivid practical example of how pride leads to blindness and blindness leads to stumbling. What he was doing at first was good. He was, you know, strengthening Israel and God marvelously helped him. And then he became proud over it. He became proud and he was blinded to what God wanted him to do because he thought, that he knew what God wanted better than what the word of God did. 
And we might think stuff like this would never happen to us, but everyone thinks that. And that's what pride does. Pride infects little by little. And you get, you know, more proud here, more proud there. And then you start to think really weird things and not realize it. It's the nature of pride. All right, point number three. Humility leads to more grace. Let's take a look at James 4, verse 6. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I remember when I first read this verse for the first time, I was kind of like, it, it kind of amazed me a bit, and I thought that was really cool. Like, you mean God gives more grace? If I'm humble, I'll get more grace? Like, that should be a motivator. That's important. We all need God's grace. It's the number one thing we need most of in life. Because God's grace is good for any, everything. The word for grace here is charis, so it's general grace. It can be favor, blessing, empowerment. God gives more grace to the humble. That's a huge reason to humble ourselves. Number four, pride damages relationships. Let's look at Proverbs 13.10 in the CEB, the Common English Bible. I like the Common English Bible. The empty-headed cause conflict out of pride. But those who take advice are wise. Let's also look at it in the NASB. Proverbs 13.10 in the NASB. Through overconfidence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. So pride definitely leads to conflict. If you've, if you've never been with a proud person, um, you probably just haven't recognized it because you know we're all proud from time to time and proud people are everywhere. But, um, but pride leads to conflict. We've all probably started conflicts out of pride, especially back when we were children. Children do that a lot. I started many a conflict out of pride. There's a few other ways, well, there's a few specific ways pride hurts relationships besides leading to strife. It causes you to devalue others. And it causes you to focus on yourself too much. Moreover, pride makes it easy to stay bitter at people. It's hard to forgive people when you're proud. You, think, you keep thinking instead of about Christ and about his grace when you're proud. You're thinking about yourself and how much you deserve uh, for them to apologize. And how wrong they were for doing this to you. 
Pride was probably one of the single most um, hindering things to overcoming bitterness. It also makes it hard to admit or even realize when you're wrong. And that definitely isn't good for relationships. There's a quote uh, from C.S. Lewis that I have. Um, Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Because when we're proud, we just focus on ourselves and we value ourselves more than others. You can't love others if you value yourself more than you value others. Moreover, and most importantly, pride damages your relationship with God. Let's take a look at uh, Psalm 138, verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the proud or the haughty he knows from afar. Like that, that should be a bit scary to read that. Like that sounds dreadful. Like not knowing that you're afar from God because you're proud and don't see it. Like that's terrible. But God will give us grace um, to be humble. God will enable us. Other ways, you know, pride damages the relationship with God. It makes it harder to listen to God. It interferes with your worship. The, the higher you see yourself, the lower by comparison you see God. The higher you think of yourself, the less you'll think of God's grace. You know, the more honorable and deserving you are, the less God's grace is actual grace. Pride interferes with worship. Pride interferes with your obedience. Just look at King Uzziah. And, you know, a major one, pride keeps you from lying on God. Pride will keep you from going to God in prayer. Pride will keep you from seeing how much you need God's help in your daily life. All right, number five. Um, God rewards humility. Let's take a look at Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. I also want to take a look at um, Luke 14, 7 through 11. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And when he who invited you um, both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. And when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That last sentence is repeated several times by Jesus and is a theme in the scriptures. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, let's also take a look at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So the word exalt in these passages can mean more than just honor or praise. Um, it's the Greek word hupsao, and I have a definition for it. Um, so it, it kind of has two meanings. Um, number one, to lift up on high or to exalt. But secondly, metaphorically, it can mean to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity or B, to exalt, to raise to dignity, honor, and happiness. So it, it does have to do with honor, but it's more than that, like opulence, prosperity, happiness. God exalting you, um, that can mean a lot of things. Like it's more broad than just, you know, praise or a feel-good feeling. Uh, that same word, hupsao, is used in Luke 1.52 uh, when Mary is praising God when she finds out she's pregnant with Christ. She says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. It's also the same word used in Luke 18.14 that we just looked at when Christ said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The word justified is actually the word hupsao, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong about that, actually. Another thing I want to just point out, it is not bad to desire honor from God. That is not pride. Later in this sermon, we're going to get into very specific definitions about pride and humility, and it's one of the things I'm most excited about. But... um. Let's take a look at John 12, 41 through 43. Isaiah, so this is Jesus speaking. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. Um, actually, this is John speaking, never mind. Uh, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So we can see clearly it's not wrong. In fact, it would be wrong to care more about the glory that comes from man than the glory that comes from God. Humility is obedience to God, and therefore he rewards it, because God rewards obedience. But also, you know, likewise, pride is sin, and we'll have to answer to Christ for it. Let's take a look at Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. 
should be like a bit taken back by that. That's like strongly worded. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. The last thing I want to look at in this section, point number six, humility helps you to have greater effectiveness. So, you know, God uses, we see throughout the scripture, God uses humble people to accomplish things for his kingdom. And the more humble you are, the more God can use you for great things without risk of you becoming proud. And becoming pride over what God does in you is a problem. God didn't want Paul to become proud. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. God didn't want Paul to become conceited. Paul would have been a lot less useful and effective for God's kingdom if he had become conceited over the things God was doing through him. You know, the more proud we are, the more when God does something, we'll take glory for ourselves for it. And God doesn't want that. The more proud we are, the less we'll seek to rely on God. And the less we rely on God, the less we'll succeed. Moreover, pride can often lead to other sins that get in the way of us being effective. Pride leads to stumbling. King Uzziah lost a large amount of effectiveness after he became a leper and basically just had to be separated the rest of his life until he died. All right, um, next section. Understanding pride and humility. So I want to start off with some definitions. I want, to, I want us to really understand this. So I've struggled, I struggled for a long time to like not clearly know what pride and humility actually are. Like they're not really well defined in the modern church in America. So let's start off with pride. Pride is thinking of yourself higher, as in more important, more sufficient, or more honorable than you actually are. Or caring about yourself, um, your well-being, or honor more than is appropriate. That second part is important. A lot of people neglect um, how pride can have to do with desire. I also want to define or give a definition for humility. Humility is thinking of yourself accurately how important, how sufficient, how honorable, and caring about yourself an appropriate amount, your honor and your well-being. So I want to hit on the importance of the heart. Um, 
how much you care is, I think, more important than what you think about yourself. Um, if you have too much desire to be honored, you'll be blinded by it and you'll be biased and you'll think higher of yourself than you are. You know, desire to be honorable can blind us and can be a form of pride. Also, having too much desire to be honored is usually harder to change. Satan's problem wasn't so much that he thought he was cooler than he really was, even though that was part of his problem. His problem was that he desired to be worshipped in place of God. You know, if you just think of yourself a little inaccurately, that's easy to correct. But if you desire honor more than you should, that's, that's where the real issue is. That's where the real danger is. You know, when, when the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom, they were desiring to be honored. They wouldn't be fighting about it if they didn't desire it. It wasn't that they had a slight misunderstanding over who was more effective. If they had a slight misunderstanding over who was more effective, but they didn't actually care how much they were honored, they wouldn't have been fighting about it. Pride has more to do with desire than we think it does. A person can think very, very lowly of themselves and be quite proud. Because they can desire to think. They can too, have too much desire to think well of themselves. And I did say an appropriate amount. It's not inappropriate to want to think well of yourself um, to some degree. There's a measure of appropriate desire. But pride is very connected to desire. This is very important for like seeing pride in your own life. The majority of pride that we struggle with, I think, is connected to having too much desire to be honored. Not to like that we happen to have misunderstandings. Pride is in the heart. Humility is all about thinking about yourself accurately. I also want to hit on that. So anything God wants us to think will always 100% align with truth because God never wants us to think inaccurately. God is a God of truth. God is truth, and all his ways are truth. I used to think, you know, God just wants me to think really lowly of myself, and I, I had that as my definition of humility to the point where I would kind of try to think inaccurately bad about myself. And that's not biblical. God's a God of truth. God always wants you to think accurately all the time, period. You know, thinking the truth will never lead a person in the wrong direction. Thinking the truth will never lead a person in the wrong direction. Let's take a look at Romans 12, verse 3 in the New Living Translation. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given. So what did he say? Did he say, think of yourself as lowly as possible because you're just debased and worthless? No. He said, be honest, be accurate, 
Humility isn't just about thinking of yourself as lowly as possible. Humility is about thinking of yourself accurately. Moses was the most humble person on earth during his time, and he said so, and he said so inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Numbers uh, 12, verse 3. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. That's great. Was he accurate to say that? Yes, he was. Did it make him proud? No, it did not. Because if it would have made him proud, it would have no longer been accurate, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't have inspired him to say it. We've, it's so easy to you know, grow up with this wrong view of humility that it's all about telling myself you know, how worthless I am. Nothing could be further from the truth. Humility is all about thinking about yourself accurately. Jesus thought of himself accurately. Jesus knew he was God. He didn't lie to himself about being... He didn't tell himself, oh, I'm not God. Jesus knew he was God, and he still had humility. He still treated others with respect, and he knew he was God, and he knew he deserved their worship. He didn't lie to himself about it. Humility is all about thinking accurately. It's so easy to miss that. So the next thing I want to get into is kind of further define what I mean by caring an appropriate amount. So at one point in my life, I thought that all caring what others think was always pride and was always wrong. And I no longer think that's the case. There is an appropriate amount to care what others think. And um, I'm going to have to define why I think that. So you were designed, I believe, to care at least somewhat what others think about you. So humans were designed to desire close fellowship with others, right? We're made in the image of God, and, you know, God has close, intimate, warm fellowship in the Trinity. But you can't be in close fellowship with someone who in their heart only has negative feelings towards you. Think about that for a second. Can you be in a close, intimate relationship? Can two people be in an intimate relationship who only have negative feelings towards each other? Nope. Like, I've, I've done some real thinking about why we all struggle with caring what others think and whether or not any amount is appropriate. And this is the conclusion I've come to. So that's why we desire to have, for others to have positive feelings towards us. Because without that, we can't have close relationship with them. And by design, we have to desire close relationship with others or fellowship with others. We can't escape that. It's built into how we think. It's built into God's design for us. And in your heart, you know subconsciously that if, you know, if somebody else only has negative feelings towards you, that's not close fellowship. So that's why we desire to have others think well of us. 
I believe that the members of the Trinity even care what each other think. You know, Jesus didn't like being forsaken by the Father. It's Matthew uh, 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like you can hear the pain in his voice. He cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The most painful part of being crucified for Christ, I think, wasn't the pain of being crucified, which is enough to cause, it's excruciating enough to cause a mental breakdown for any normal human. But the most painful part was being forsaken by God the Father. But since the reason we desire to be liked by others is for the sake of fellowship, to get to the point where we didn't care at all would be to cease to value close relationship with others, and that would be unhealthy and contrary to God's design. So it's not wrong to care what others think of you, but just like with anything, too much desire for a thing can be idolatry. Or at least can be an inappropriate or hindersome. So I want to define something further. Desire for too much of a thing or too much desire for an okay amount of a thing are both wrong. So we can desire too much praise or too much approval from others. Desiring to be worshipped is definitely too much praise or too much approval, um, like Satan did. But we can also, you know, desire an okay thing too much. I want to give the example of pizza. So I also, by God's design, like pizza. <laughs> So I could desire too much pizza, like a normal amount. If I desired to go home and for lunch today have five large pizzas, that's gluttony in the heart right there. Like I shouldn't desire to have that much pizza. That's simply too much. Or I could desire an okay amount of pizza, but I could have too much desire for pizza. If, you know, if my desire for pizza is more important than obeying God and I'm willing to steal to get pizza, that's idolatry. That's too much desire for pizza. So it's not wrong to have an, a certain amount of care of what others think, but too much can be idolatry. And that's, how it's, that's when it's pride. You know, more often than not, our issue is that we care too much about the approval of others. Most of the time, that is our struggle with pride. We care too much, inappropriately much, about the approval of others. I'll give a few examples. You know, not sharing the gospel out of fear of man. That is caring too much. You know, letting approval for others run your life. Like, that's a common thing. A number of us do that. If approval of others is running your life, your life won't be going very well. You know, simply caring more than is reasonable is caring too much. We should care about a thing in a way that corresponds to how much that thing is worth. If I think it's the end of the world that 
some strangers dislike me, then I care too much. And a lot of us care that much. Another thing that's a misconception is that insecurity is part of humility. Quite the opposite. Insecurity will lead you to care too much. Insecurity will lead you to care more about your honor and your being approved by others than you should. And that's pride. That's just leading you to think about yourself and care about yourself more than you should. You'll be taking up more of your own thoughts and don't think that insecurity and humility are close to each other. They're like the opposite. Because humility is about thinking about yourself accurately. So we're not supposed to care too much, but don't think that it's sinful to have any care at all. I also think though not necessarily as strongly about this, but I think there's a certain amount of legitimate desire a person could have to think well of themselves. So I'm also going to give the reasons why I think this. Um, let's take a look at... So there's two verses in the Old Testament where God tells Israel they should have felt shame over something. And you can't feel shame without desire, desire to be honorable or to act honorable. It's impossible because shame is a type of sorrow or disappointment about the idea that you did not act as honorably as you should have or as you wanted to. That's what shame is. It's a type of disappointment or sorrow that you're not as honorable as you want to be. But there's two verses where God told Israel they should have had shame when they had none. Jeremiah 8 verse 12. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen when I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Ezekiel 36:32. It is not for your sake that I act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. So, you know, constantly living in shame is denial of what Christ did and is also not humility because humility is thinking of yourself accurately. And thinking of yourself accurately, you have to acknowledge the work of Christ. But they were living in blatant sin and had no shame whatsoever for it. And God reproved them for that. That's worth thinking about. Also, God gives us an amount of honor. You know, so we should always think what God thinks, but God, to some degree, thinks honorable things about us. He thinks quite highly of us. He thinks we're made in his image, and he's right. Amen. But too much desire is when you have pride. Too much desire to think well of yourself is pride, or desire to think too well of yourself. But next week, I'm going to go into more detail about defining what an appropriate amount is. For now, I just kind of wanted to prove that there is an appropriate amount and not all caring is sinful. But next week, we'll go into more detail about what that would mean and how that would play out. So in conclusion, 
humility is important, if not, well, humility is essential if you want to grow more in the Lord. It leads to wisdom, it leads to greater grace, and it leads to more effectiveness. Humility is essential if you want to grow more in the Lord. Uh, second point of my conclusion, you need to understand what humility is in order to pursue it. I want to look at the definition one more time, if we can go back to the definition. Uh, you know, pride is thinking of yourself more important, more sufficient, or more honorable than you actually are, or caring about yourself, your honor, your well-being more than is appropriate. Humility is thinking of yourself accurately. I apologize for the typos I realized are in here. Um, how sufficient, how honorable you are, and caring an appropriate amount. If you haven't written those down, please write those down. Important. <laughs> it's that autocorrect. We all know the evils of the autocorrect. And uh, lastly, I just want to give somewhat of a, um, a teaser of what we'll be talking about next time. So, for one, well, I'm going to give more details on what an appropriate amount is, but, you know, we're running out of time. I also want to take a look at specific areas where we need to think of ourselves accurately. So far, I have 11 of them. Um, and I'm really excited about this one. I'm going to have a section, how to spot pride in your own heart, because that's tricky. Um, I was really hoping to have time to do a question and answer for this one, but we do not have time for that. But if you have any questions or um, anything, or if you disagree and you, with the definition of humility or pride, you know, I would like to hear that. I'm not right all the time. I could use reproof as well. Um, you know, please talk to me or ask a question. But that is all we have time for.